We're in a new series called The Good Life, and it's rediscovering the good life. You know, the irony about Christmas and the Christmas season is that it's a time of celebration and joy and Christmas and family, and it's incredibly stressful. Have you noticed that? I mean, distress and pressure, and for some people, a really difficult time of year. So, I think it's really appropriate that we dive into this topic of the good life, especially at the Christmas season. One of my favorite new Christmas movies is uh, Disney's rendition of uh, Scrooge. And Jim Carrey plays Scrooge, and they make him look really ugly and awful. But the story, I think, resonates with most people because it's a story of Ebenezer Scrooge, who's this rich guy who lives his whole life for the wrong reason. And then at the very last last chapter of his life, he's able to turn it around and, uh, and make a difference and start living for the right reasons. And so uh, it's just a, a fascinating story. And it, I think it, people identify with this. You see and you meet Scrooge-type people all the time, don't you? You know, you probably know somebody that's uh, living their life that way. You know, the new, new study came out this week, and this, uh, this doctor did a study. And, and uh, it's interesting because he was looking at the life of people who have everything everybody else wants. So they have good looks. They're rich, crazy rich, uh, famous. They had everything that anybody who could, if they had that, they'd be happy. They'd be happy and fulfilled if they had those things. And yet, these people have all of that, and their life was a complete train wreck. And as you read the article, you almost hear this sense of desperation in the the researcher's heart and mind. If these people who have everything can't find happiness, what about the rest of us who don't have those things? We don't have millions of dollars and good looks and great talent. Is there any hope for us to have happiness and joy. So, the good life this morning, the topic is the good life is full of laughter. The tragedy of this is that I see all the time Christians and people who call themselves followers of Christ living the same way. Living for the wrong reason. And I think even some people in here today Living that way. And I tell you, it really grieves the Lord to see people live, waste their life living for the wrong reason. Jesus Jesus demonstrated for us that there is a right way to live, a better way to live, the good life. It has nothing to do with how much money you have or how good you look or how thin you are. It has entirely to do with something completely different. And so... The the writer of the Gospel of Luke gives us an idea of what this looks like. In Luke chapter 4, if you have a Bible, you can turn there, or you can follow with me on the screen. Jesus is with his disciples, and he goes to the synagogue, as he did uh, often, to go and worship the Lord. And he goes there, and uh, he decides to read a scripture that defines his life and his ministry. And of all the passages that Jesus could choose from the Old Testament... Maybe something from Moses about being a great and powerful leader or uh, one of the prophets or maybe something from David being a passionate and on fire type of person or leader. Jesus chose this passage in Isaiah. 
And so let's read it this morning together. Or I'll read it and you can follow along. When Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Of all the passages that he could have chose to define his ministry, he chose this one. A bit surprising when you think about it. Notice what he said. I've come to preach good news to the poor. Not financially poor. Yes, I think it does include that, but that's not his point. But a poverty of wholeness. A poverty about life. You see, there's a quality of life that Jesus had and that he lived. A good quality of life. I think some people live a very low level of living. You know, really, not just living, but existing. Just getting by. I mean, day to day, living, but not living. Jesus said he came to proclaim freedom to the captives. Those who are held in bondage to sin. Sight to the blind. Those who are deceived in heart and in mind. To free those who have been beaten down by life. To proclaim the favor of God has come upon us. Does that sound like the life that you're living? Freedom, clarity of mind and thought, God's favor. You might say, Well, I'm a Christian, but that doesn't sound anything like the life that I'm living. And that's exactly my point. Too many living for the wrong reason. Living a joyless life. No freedom. No laughter. But day after day of doom and gloom and worry and fear. That sounds like bondage to me. So why is it? Here's the big question in the morning. Why is it that if Jesus came to set us free and to walk in freedom... So many live every day in bondage. I think the answer can be found in Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 18 and 19. Just part of the parable that Jesus is teaching here. He talks about seed that is sown on different types of ground. In verse 18, he said, The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. 
And so no fruit is produced. So here are people who are pursuing spiritual things. They're sowing spiritual seeds in their life. And it's producing no fruit. It does nothing for them. So they're here on a Sunday and they worship God and they hear a message and they go home and they are no different. No change. They just Monday is just the same as it's always been. No fruit is being produced because of these three things. And these are powerful things that control our lives. The worries of this life. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things. Now, these are so big and powerful. There's no way that I could cover all three this morning. And so I'll focus just on one. (laughs) Just one. The first one. And that is the worries of this life. Now, too many people are addicted to worry and fear. If your heart is full of worry and fear, then there is no joy. There is no laughter. If worry and fear are near to you, then joy and laughter are far away. And it's weird how People are addicted to this, and yet they're not, they don't, they don't see anything wrong with it. You know, they sort of excuse it and say, oh, well, you know me, I'm a worrier. And then somebody will hear them say that, and they'll, they'll just affirm it and say, well, yeah, I understand. I'm kind of a worrier myself. Like, it's no big deal. Worrying about this and worrying about that is just accept it as normal. In fact, if I told you to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a worrier, you'd probably do it and think nothing of it. Right? So, maybe we need to add the right perspective to worry. Change it a little bit. What if I said something like this? Turn to the person next to you. Don't do it. All right. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, I like the smell of dog poop. You never thought you'd hear that in church, did you? Yuck, you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say that. No way. If you're going to be free from an addiction, what's the first step? Admit that you have a problem. You have a problem with fear and worry. It's ruining your life. It's sapping every ounce of joy and laughter out of you. And you aren't really seeing it for what it is. What do we do? I think the answer is in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, 4 through 7, says this. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace. 
which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you have received from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. You know, there's a, a laughter that comes from just seeing something funny. You know, you see something funny, we laugh. But there's another kind of laughter that's much deeper. It's much deeper. And it comes out of a reservoir of peace. There's peace in life. That there's the absence of worry and fear. And that laughter comes up from that deep well and brings great joy. This whole passage can be summed up in six simple words. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. Let's say that together. Ready? Worry about nothing, pray about everything. And if you do, the result will be peace. The wisest man who ever lived saw this at work in the lives of men and women. Saw this fear and worry destroying their life, destroying their quality of life. And so he talked about the remedy. Proverbs 17, 22, he says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Joy and laughter is like medicine to the soul, he said. Do you know that scientists have proven that worry and constant doom and gloom will affect your health in a biological way and can, in fact, even kill you? There's a a scientist, Dr. Hans Seeley. He's the director of University of Montreal's Institute of of Medicine and Surgery. Did this extensive study on fear, and he did this fascinating Uh, experiment. He took a cage and put a mouse inside the cage. They took another cage, put it right up next to that cage, and put a cat inside that cage. And then he fed that mouse food, water, every day. And it was perfectly safe in that cage. And after 10 days, the mouse died. Let that sink in a little bit. The mouse just rolled over and died from the sheer fear that that cat might eat him. Feeling a little bit like a mouse these days? Fear and worry is going to cause you to miss out on the greatest years of your children's lives. It'll cause you to miss out on a thousand joyful, hilarious moments. You won't even see them or experience them because you're focused on the wrong things. 
Remember, he said, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So often our minds are consumed with stress and pressure and things we have to do and things we have to produce. And Jesus said, listen, can you add a single day to your life by worrying about it? Does it change anything? No. Don't let the mistakes of your past ruin your future. Don't let the stresses of life ruin Christmas. It happened to me one year. It was just young and immature with little children at Christmas time. And here we are, we're opening Christmas presents on Christmas morning. And I am so stressed out and so uptight that nobody's having any fun or enjoying any of it, and everybody starts bawling. And I feel like an absolute loser. Mr. Grinch who ruined Christmas because I couldn't deal with my own stress and pressure. Living my life focused on the wrong things. Living for the wrong things. So you can have all the money in the world. You can have all the fame in the world. You can be Britney Spears or Lindsay Lohan or Charlie Sheen. And the list goes on and on. You can be all those people and have a miserable life. Because you're living for the wrong things. Did you notice that he writes this in command form? He doesn't say, you know, it's a good idea. To not worry. I'm going to give you some advice today. You know, it's probably best if you don't worry. He doesn't say that at all. He says, do not worry about anything. How can he say that? There's a lot to worry about. I got to pay my bills. Christmas is coming up. I have a lot to worry about. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. There's something that happens. There's there's a transformation that takes place inside your soul when you stop and pray right away. Isn't it weird how that's always the last resort? You know, something goes wrong and you go through this and this and this and this and this and this. And finally, at the very end, there's nothing else to do. Let's pray. You could avoid all that stress and pressure. You pray. Turn it over to God. Ask Him for help. And He promises that the peace of God will replace that doom and gloom. I'll tell you, if you don't, if you don't do this, then you are destined to live a life that is miserable. It's miserable. It's it's shallow. It's empty, and nobody wants to be around you. Nobody wants to hang with Scrooge. This uh, woman, married for 45 years, her husband has cancer, he dies. The love of her life, her whole life, shattered, gone, destroyed. And so... After years 
of just staying inside and not going out and not being with people and just wallowing in that hurt and pain. Finally, she decided, I just can't do this anymore. I've got to, I've got to get out. I've got to, I've got to change this. So she decides to go to the pet store and buy a pet. So a friend of hers owned the pet store, so she goes to the pet store. And she's looking at dogs and looks at cats, and she even looked at a snake. And uh, You're weird if you, if you find a, your pet's a snake. But anyway, she sees this parrot, and the guy says, Oh, you're going to love this parrot. Uh, he talks like crazy, says all kinds of things. It'll just be perfect. So she, oh, that's it. She bought a really expensive parrot because the more vocabulary they have, the more they cost. And so this one said all, all kinds of things. And so it was very expensive. She bought the parrot, took it home. She talks to that parrot every single day, every day. It doesn't say a word for a whole week. Finally, she goes back to the pet store. She says, this parrot isn't talking. He's not saying anything. And you said he said all this, these words. He's not saying anything. Well, parrots like a mirror. If they can see a mirror and see their reflection, it helps them to get talking. So, so put a mirror in a cage. So she goes home, gets a little mirror, puts it in his cage. A week goes by, he says nothing. Goes back to the pet store. This parrot isn't doing anything with the mirror. Something's wrong. Well, they like ladders. Put a ladder in his cage. He'll climb up and down that ladder, look in the mirror. That'll get him talking. Try that. She goes home, puts a ladder in there. Week goes by, nothing. Parrot's not talking. So out of desperation, she goes back to the pet store. This, I, I don't know what's wrong with this parrot. You sold me a bad parrot. He's not talking. Well, they like swings. Do you have a swing in your cage? No, I don't have a swing. Buy a swing, put it in there. They like to swing, walk up the ladder, look in the mirror. She goes back, puts a swing in. Ten days go by, and the parrot dies. She goes back to the pet store, absolutely utter desperation, in tears. He says, how's the parrot? She said, he died. Oh, no, did he ever say anything? She said, yes, he finally did speak to me. And he said, is there any food at that store? Living your life for the wrong things. Focusing on the wrong things. How tragic is that? That you work so hard, you try so hard, you invest in all of these spiritual things. But because you're caught up in the worries of this life, it produces absolutely nothing. No joy. No peace, no laughter. I think today would be a good day for us to, as a congregation, say that's enough of worry and fear. To really say, I am no longer going to accept that as something that's a part of my life. Instead, I will not worry and I will pray. And if you do that, you will see a big upswing of joy and peace this Christmas season. You might actually have, for the very first time, a Christmas you can enjoy.